And I told her like, let's work on getting you to $10,000 a month. Let's make that our next goal. And she said, well, of course she said, okay. You know, but in the back of her mind, she's like, this woman's crazy. Um, but she has done several months this year, over $10,000 a month. Welcome to the business ownership podcast brought to you by awareness strategies, helping you navigate the waters between entrepreneurship and ownership. Hey there, peeps. This is Michelle Nedelec, and I'm super glad that you're here with us today because I am here with my most amazing guest, Sierra. Sierra, thank you so much for being here today. Yes, thank you. Awesome. So give everybody the 5,000-foot view of who you are and what you love to do. Yes. So I am a serial entrepreneur, third generation. My grandfather and dad both owned a small business, so I've been in this world forever um, just creating things, building things. Um, I have a husband that I love. We're taking dancing lessons for the first time in our life. So that's kind of fun. Um, as our kids are getting ready to go out in the world, I have a 17 and a 19 year old. So I'm heading into a new stage in life. Um, we have a great Pyrenees. We live in Tennessee. It's like hundred degrees here today. So he is inside. <laughs> um, and I also enjoy um, racing triathlon. So I'm getting ready for an upcoming Ironman in August. Wow. Congratulations. That's awesome. And so what are you doing working with people? Cause I know you have, obviously you have a ton of stuff on the go. What's your main business focus right now? Yeah. So right now I am really focused on building my coaching business. I work specifically with inventory-based businesses um, to help them increase their sales without all the stress. So we work on focusing on simplifying things down, really understanding and looking at your numbers um, and just really honing in on what you really want in your business. And then how do we create that in a simple and easy way instead of that old hustle mindset? Nice. So when you say inventory-based businesses, are you talking anybody like somebody with uh, 10,000 books in their garage? Are you talking retail outlets? Are you talking RVs? Like anything. Yes, all of them. <laughs> I always say if you exchange things for dollar bills, I can help you. So nice. yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. So what made you decide to get into it as a thing? Yeah. So I um, owned and operated my own boutique business for about a decade. And um, I just like, I loved working with customers. I liked the merchandising. I liked all the front facing part of the um, project and the business, but I never really understood my numbers. Um, they scared me. I'm not a bookkeeper and accountant at all. And when I finally found a team member um, that I brought on that really showed me what the numbers told me about the story of my business and how empowering that was, I knew that that was something that every retailer needed to know. So the majority of um, the clients I work with are boutique businesses. Um, you know, they have those downtown shops or they'll have an online store, they're social sellers, and they just need to understand the foundation pieces. Um, and that's really intimidating because they think the only place they can go for those answers would be to like a bookkeeper or an accountant who often doesn't speak their language. So I like to bridge that gap and speak in retail language, inventory language, um, but help them understand why those pieces are so important. Nice. I love that. And it's important too, to be able to see it from an entrepreneurial point of view and not just as, Hey, you have all these expenses hanging around because most entrepreneurs are like, well, yeah, but <laughs> we'll right. turn into hoarders. It's like, but I might need them one day. Yes. It's so true. <laughs> but I spent $10 on this. How can I get rid of it? So right. my, um, what I've kind of a, a, a phrase that I've coined people know me for is that I always say your inventory is like cash on hangers and cash in boxes. So you have to look at your inventory as dollar bills, as cash, and it doesn't age well. 
your inventory is not going to gain value as it sits. So we make mistakes. Sometimes things happen that are beyond our control and we have extra inventory, but we need to be able to learn how to turn that into cash again so that it can build more profitability in our business. Nice. I love it. Well, and once upon a time, I heard that Walmart had had automated their systems of what's going when, how fast they're going so that they could start tracking that. Obviously we're not in you know, the position that a billion dollar company is to be able to have, you know, million dollar software. So what do, what are some of the things that small business owners are looking at to be able to kind of hone in on that, if you will? Yeah. Yeah. So the first thing I do when I visit with a new client is talk to them about their two different systems, kind of the two halves of the, the pie, if you will. So everybody has a POS system, a point of sale system. If you have inventory, you have a way to ring it up. That's a given. But most often, small retail or small inventory-based businesses don't do the accounting side, and they're really both important. So one manages your inventory, one manages your cash. And you need to be able to pull the information from both of those. So we take a look at that um, and how we can set that up so you have the full picture. And then I'm a pretty simple person and I don't like to encourage clients just go spend money and you need technology um, and learn all these things. That's just confusing and overwhelming. So we do a lot of our work in Excel. We just build out, um, I have a couple templates that I use with every business owner and we just start to build out what does your budget look like? What's a profit plan look like? How do you track your margins? And we just make it really simple so that they use it. Nice. And what about when there's times when you just, you know, something's on sale or you're planning for six months out, a year and a half out sometimes, and you just don't really know what's going to sell. You can have an idea, but then all of a sudden somebody comes up with an Elmo and you're like, well, shy, I didn't see that one coming. Right. Like, what do you do? Yeah, it's, I mean, retail is always tricky. It's always going to be. We're always going to have that product that just, we thought, oh, this is it, you know, or we ordered because it was selling and then all of a sudden the consumer doesn't want it. Consumers are so fickle. They change their mind every five minutes, you know? So it's part of the name of the game, but there's some tools we use. We use an open to buy, which helps you project what your budget should be based off of your goals. So then you're not just buying because, oh, I have a bunch of cash in my account. I should buy things or the next door neighbor or the store down the street is doing this. Maybe I'll buy that. Or we've all had this, the customers that come in. Oh, if you only sold, I would shop all the time. Right. <laughs> and so our open to buy budget helps us based off of our goals and what we already own. So it kind of puts a backstop to that. Like, yep, you don't have that much of a budget until you sell what you already have. Um, and then when we do have those products that just sit, or maybe we order too much of them, just figuring out a good system to turn that inventory and walk watch it so that you don't let that cash just sit around your store. Nice. I love that. So what are some of the mistakes that you see people making when it comes to just inventory and bringing it in? Yeah. Uh, I think the biggest mistake is not entering the cost. I would say 90, I almost want to say 99% of the businesses I work with do not have their costs entered and, or have never done a physical inventory when I start working with them. So that's why cash and hangers, cash on boxes becomes like their slogan. And I'll have so many clients come back like, oh my goodness, here I hear you, you know, hear you in my head as I'm looking. So I'm like, this is your biggest asset. This is your money-making tool. It's your secret weapon. You have to manage it. So that's the biggest mistake. When you bring inventory in, you have to enter your costs. If you're a maker, a designer, a wholesaler, 
You also need to enter costs. What is the cost of labor? What's the cost of materials? You need to track that so you understand your margin because from that your margin is what dictates your profit. So as an example, I was just visiting with a client the other day. She's doing a great business, so a lot of volume, but she's not making the profit that she wants. So we took a look at her financials and I said, well, your margin's really low. Did you realize that? And she didn't because she didn't know how to calculate it. And she's like, oh my goodness, no wonder. So she's doing this crazy volume in sales, but the margin that's left doesn't cover her expenses. So it doesn't matter if she's doing a million dollars if she doesn't have enough margin. So we're going to be marking her product up a little bit and figuring out how to increase that margin. Nice. And I'm assuming that most entrepreneurs, well, most entrepreneurs in retail, like all entrepreneurs, are concerned that if they increase their prices, that they're going to lose their, their market share. Yes, they are. <laughs> yep, very worried. Um, that's why it's a good, good. And I told this client, um, one of the things I'm having her do is just work out kind of a, a stress test on the business. So if you increase the margin or the price point by X amount, and you know you might lose some customers, how many customers do you need? It's kind of like this is where algebra, we actually use algebra, right? Oh, the story problem. <laughs> yes. So it's like, okay, if we have this much margin and that many customers, or if we increase our margin and we lose some customers, how many do we need to keep in order to make enough or more? So we just start working on those things. And I really help to break it down so people aren't intimidated by those story problems. There, it's just a fun way to look at the puzzle of your business and see that every number is a piece of the puzzle and we just have to figure out how to put it together so it tells a story that you want nice so give us an example of a cinderella story of one of your clients that you've worked with yes yeah, so actually jackie um you can go to my podcast and listen to her story if you want to be really inspired um she's been working with me for it'll be a year now this fall um so not that long and she just paid off all her debt so she sent me an email the other week, this a couple months ago, and she said, Sierra, I just have to share a win. I paid all my debt off. It's all gone. And I was like, okay, we got to get on the phone. Let's talk about this. So I interviewed her and it's just really neat. Cause I said, you know, she's everyday ordinary. She doesn't have a massive business. She's a maker. So her margins are slim, kind of everything you'd say, well, this and that, no, all of these things are not set up to make her super successful really quickly. So I asked her, what is the key to the success? How did you pay that off? And she just said, I just decided and I did it, which I think is so huge. You know, it's so often in business, we feel like there's a magic formula, but most of the time it's just buckling down, getting the right help with coaching, getting the right tools and support, and then doing the work. And so she just went ruthlessly after her debt and eliminated it. And now she's like, I don't know what to do with my money and my time. And I said, well, we can, we'll figure that out. That's a good problem to have. So um, that one, and then another story, a client, she's a smaller business. I was just looking at her numbers today, actually pulling data and she's increased by almost a hundred percent over the last year. So she tells a story too, that's on my website. Um, and she just sent this to me unsolicited, but she's like, Hey, Sierra, I had a boutique for five years and over five years, I only made $900 total. So I shut it down but I had the itch. I know. And I'm like, Oh my goodness, oh, girl. And how that many hurts. of us are doing that? Right. We're just working for free. And, but then she decided to open back up again and she found me. So she was doing around a grand when she found me a grand a month. And, um, after opening back up, and so she started coaching with me and I told her like, let's work on getting you to $10,000 a month. Let's make that our next goal. And she said, well, of course she said, okay. You know, but in the back of her mind, she's like, this woman's crazy. Um, but she has done several months this year, over $10,000 a month. 
and we've been working together for a year. But again, she's someone who she puts the work in. She, she shows up um, and she's just dedicated to meeting her goals and making it happen. Um, And so those are the stories I love because they're not like an overnight success. They're not major, amazing billion dollar businesses. They're just everyday people who just want a better life. And that's why they went into business. Nice. I love it. Well, and it's true, especially I find in the retail outlet is people tend to just love a thing and they're like, Hey, we need more of this in the world. (laughs) So it's like, it doesn't matter if it's like a coffee shop or if it's, you know, widgets, cupcakes, whatever. It's more of a passion project than it is. Hey, I want to get rich off of this thing. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so just figuring out how to take that passion and make it accessible to the customer and then how to build that strong foundation so that all the work you're doing is paying off. Right. And do you find that it's because it's a passion project, this is my baby, that they tend to deal with it differently than somebody that just comes in and goes, hey, I'm going to buy this business. We're going to 10 exit and then we're going to sell it. Which- I think it's a mix. Yeah, I think there's some of that. Um, I know for me, when I started my retail, my first retail store, it was a high-end store. That was my baby. And then I opened a second concept just a few months later. And I say it was my ugly child. (laughs) I had this beautiful store and right next door I had this ugly child, but the ugly child made me money. And I had to decide as a boutique owner, do I want to go with my heart and my dream and this beautiful, wonderful thing, or do I want to make a living? And can I have, and both, can I combine them, which is what I ended up doing. So I think a lot of business owners, whether it be boutique owner or any type of small business, if we go in with a stubborn mindset, a proud mindset of this is what I want, and I'm going to keep shoving it at my customer, whether they're telling me yes or no, we're never going to make it forward. So you have to listen and be willing to be flexible, try new things, try things, be willing to fall down, fail, figure it out. Um, So it's a mix of not being willing or knowing how to do that. And then really not knowing your numbers. That's just a big part of it. Not knowing what makes your business really tick. Awesome. So other than kind of go sitting there going, I don't really know why I'm failing or why I'm succeeding. What are some of the stumbling blocks that somebody might be having right now? And they're thinking, oh my God, Sierra, I need you so badly. Yeah. I think, you know, if people feel like the numbers just really confuse them or they don't even know where to start. Um, a lot of times if people feel like I've just done it bad for so long, I have so much debt. There's no, how am I even, I don't even want to tell anyone. So when I start working with someone, I always say, tell me all of it, like, show me the mess. I've got to know everything. Messes don't scare me, but when we can see it all in front of us, then we can make a plan. So I think if you're feeling really overwhelmed, out of control, don't know where to go, feel like an imposter. Like I can't ask this because I feel like I should know it. And if I ask, who cares? You know, we'll figure it out today. Um, we're all learning as we go along. So those would be some of the things I think if business owners can get over those thoughts and reach out and get good support and good help, they can turn their businesses around. Nice. I love that. Well, and one of the courses I took once was a big eye opener for me because at one point in my life, I was terrified of having a hundred dollars in debt. And another point, uh, you know, a thousand dollars in debt, another point, $10,000. <laughs> Yeah, kind of kept growing. And one of the speakers goes, you know, if you have a million dollar debt, you have a million dollars worth of wherewithal to figure out how to yes. manage and manipulate a hundred thousand a million dollars. So so what? Now we're just dealing with the problem on a different level. It doesn't matter what the number is, yeah. because somebody with a hundred dollars freaking out, like they only have a hundred dollars wherewithal and and that's okay. You know, yes. it's just it's just a different state of mind and kind of where you see the opportunities and how you solve your problems. So 
think for so anybody good. listening to this, like it's just a number. It really is just a number. And when you figure out how to you know, work around those numbers and you go, oh, okay. Because clearly yeah. if you can, you know, somebody with a $10 wherewithal can't get into a million dollars of debt. Like it's yeah. just physically impossible. It's not going to happen. So if you yes. can get that kind of a money problem, then you also have those kind of money opportunities. Yeah. We just talked about this the other day. I did a debt-free challenge um, with retailers and we talked about inventory. And I said, most, for most of you, inventory is what got you into debt, but here's the exciting point. Your inventory gets you out of debt. Your inventory is your secret weapon. This is what you can use to create cash. You just have to understand how to manage it and what the story is telling you. So exactly what you said, you know, if you only have $10,000 worth of inventory, you're not going to have a million dollars worth of debt. You know, that's just not going to happen. So the numbers go with each other, which also shows that that puzzle can be fixed. That Rubik's cube can be figured out. Nice. I love it. So I know people are going to want to start their journey with you. How did they do that? So the easiest way would be just my website. Everything's on there, social, all that good stuff. And that's just theboutiqueworkshop.com. Um, links to my podcast, email, all, all the ways to connect with me are on my website. Nice. And if you're listening to this on podcasts, obviously just scroll down and we will have all of Sierra's information in the show notes. Awesome. So Sierra, I have to ask you, at what point in life did you know that you were that special kind of crazy enough to become an entrepreneur? Oh, when I was about five, <laughs> I would say yes. <laughs> Ever since happened? I've been little, I have just been selling things and creating things. And I was the crazy kid with, you know, five garage sales every year and lemonade stands and tickets for shows to the neighbors and all the things. Um, yeah, I've just always been willing to try things. I love to look for opportunity and figure out how to solve problems. And so it's just ingrained in me. It's what I've always done. And I just really, really enjoy it. And now I love helping other people solve their problems. It's, it's really satisfying. Nice. I love it. So in all of your experience of all your entrepreneur, entrepreneurial journeys, which mistake did you, do you think is the funniest one? Ooh, the funniest one. That might be hard. <laughs> the worst one. I could list a few of them. Um, the funniest mistake. Oh yes. I do have a funny mistake. Okay. So when I first decided to open my brick and mortar in 2006, um, I knew I needed to go buy product and go to market. So I Googled and Google was pretty rustic back into, you know, so I was trying to figure out like where market is. So I, I ended up figuring out that in California, there was a market center, the California market center, and they had kind of, you know, annual biannual market. So I booked a ticket by myself to uh, downtown LA, stayed at a hotel and I asked where to catch the shuttle for the market. And the lady at the front counter said, you know, right out there by the bus stop, the shuttle comes, it's free. So I went out and waited for the shuttle and I got on and they wanted like 50 cents. And I was like, well, I think she said it was free, but okay, maybe I heard it wrong. So I paid and I was on this bus in downtown LA driving, driving, driving. And I was looking around and the bus driver kept looking in the rearview mirror at me. And I was like, I do not feel like I am on the right bus. So finally I stood up and he's like, yeah, you missed your stop, like two stops back. I had got on the city bus with all of the downtown city workers. And so he dropped me off and very kindly, actually a city downtown LA went around, dropped me off where it was safe for me to walk to market. Um, and so I got to market, the story gets even better. Didn't know you had to have appointments, went upstairs and it was so quiet in the market center. And I thought, well, this is just so odd. Where is everyone looked out the big window and saw that there was a downtown big riot protest going on, which is why no one was there. But me and my North Dakota naive self, I got on the city bus 
us, went downtown LA, you know, walked around. So I ended up being safe and sound. And I got the appointments of my choosing first in line for everything because no one, hardly anyone else showed up that day. But that's probably one of the funniest mistakes I've made. <laughs> like, I don't know what you guys are talking about. I'm just here for a business. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, hey, I'm here to buy stuff. What's going on? They're like, oh my goodness, no one came into work today. I can't believe you braved it. I was like, braved what? I don't know. Oh, that. Okay. <laughs> like, it just looks like a rodeo out there. I don't know what you're right? talking about. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <normal>. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. I love it. Sierra, uh, you've been absolutely fantastic. Thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. I know how valuable it is. Any last words for our peeps? Um, I think, you know, if you're a small business owner or you're thinking about small business, surround yourself with people smarter than you. Never be too proud to ask a question. Reach out to people, ask how they have done things, ask for advice. Um, you will get so far if you can build relationships and you can lean into other people's genius. Nice. I love it. So thank you, Sierra, for being here with us today. Thank you. Awesome. And peeps, thank you for being here with us today. We love helping you to build and grow your business. So be sure to subscribe to the show and share with your friends that are also in business. We love helping you grow. Are you running a business over seven figures, but still struggling with technology headaches? Pay attention. You do not want to miss this offer. This podcast episode is brought to you by Awareness Strategies, who is offering a custom-built digital adoption roadmap for anyone running a business over seven figures who's wanting to grow their business in the next five years. And it's not just a roadmap. They offer full implementation as well. If that scares the out of you, check out awarenessstrategies.com forward slash roadmap for more details today. The link's in the show's notes. Don't regret not doing this. Do it now. That's awarenessstrategies.com slash roadmap.